It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. Yes, my name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this Estate Planning Essentials program, once again, gratefully seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my very good friend, who should be at least your attorney and maybe even your friend as well. He is our attorney, and his name is Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I was going to ask you how you are, but every time we prepare for this show... It's not MC as in Michael Cohen. It's MA as in mighty adequate because that's always the answer you give us these days. You're mighty <laughs> adequate. And is that a good thing that you're mighty adequate? I guess it could be worse. You know, I, I said that to a friend, uh, my daughter's. I have a 23-year-old daughter. Uh-huh. And she looked at me with great disdain. She said, how do people answer that question? <laughs> and so... Uh, I don't know. I just like messing with her. But yes, anyway. I like it. I think it's very funny. And um, it, it, all the other answers, I'm fine. I'm doing well. And a lot of times people don't really reveal how they're doing. So I don't know what the difference is. But um, thank you for your time today, Michael. And we do appreciate all the education you've given us over the five or ten years. You've been on the station. Gosh, it's almost ten years now. And today, Michael, we're going to talk about something that we said last week you're not, which you're not, you don't even play one on the radio, and that is you're not a financial planner. But this topic is, is very financially oriented, and it involves the SECURE Act that was just passed. So let's talk about that and what that may mean for our listeners' taxes. Yeah, I thought the first part of the show we would talk about uh, the SECURE Act 2.0, as they call it. It's just really a colloquial term. but um, And the second part of the show, which would be for more for retirees. So the first part of the show I think it's very important because on March 30th of 2022, uh, there was a the House passed a bill called Secure Act 2.0, or that's at least what people refer to it. And this is regarding retirement accounts, and this is very important for those people who are still working because it could. There's several different provisions that could be helpful to encourage people to save for retirement, uh, and I think it's gonna, it's definitely going to happen because. Uh, on the House, it passed bipartisan, like 414 to 5 or something like that, some astronomical um, wow. uh, amount. So yeah. it's going to happen. It's just a matter of what the final details are going to be with other overlapping bills. So there are a few different things that are important. First of all, if you set up a new uh, 401k or 403B. Employers, a lot of times, set up these contribution plans because they get a tax deduction while uh, the money grows tax-deferred for the employee uh, on the amount that's contributed for retirement. And a lot of times people um, want, you know, don't save for retirement. 
And so this is an encouragement for people to save for retirement, and people are living longer. So they, for example, they changed the life expectancy tables uh, just in January of this year uh, because people are living longer. Of course, the longer you live, the more likely you're going to be disabled, too. Mm. Uh, but it, at least it's recognizing the fact that we're living longer. Remember, under the original SECURE Act that was passed a couple of years ago, um, the, they, they raised the retirement age where you had to make required minimum distributions from age 70 and, 70 and a half till those who, till 72. Uh, in other words, if you were not 70 and a half before January 1st, 2020, uh, you didn't have to make your required minimum distributions until age 72. Well, they're going to increase it again. So if mm. you were not uh, 73 before the end of 2022, then you don't have to take out required minimum distributions until you're age 73. And then if you're not, um, if you were uh, not 70, um, uh, four before uh, before the end of 2029, and it could be till 74. And same thing for 2033. If you were not 75 before then, um, then you could w- wait until you're 75. In other words, we're we're seeing that people are living longer, and you could defer taking out. See, why would you defer? Because your money grows tax deferred, and then but then when you take out, you get income tax. So a lot of people think, great, this, you know, the whole idea is to have your money grow tax deferred. That's the whole idea of an individual retirement account. Mm-hmm. You contribute, uh, you may get a deduction, and your money grows tax deferred. But what a lot of people don't like to hear is that when you take it out, you get income taxed. <laughs> right. Uh, and, that's, and that's the, I mean, but that's important in your planning, not only from a financial planning standpoint, but we have to think of it from an estate planning standpoint is what are you going to do? Somebody either inherits the IRA. How we, we have to look at the different tax brackets because and do that do those people need the income or not? Uh, and should we be taking out things sooner or not? And it depends on the, you know the factual situation of the family. Uh, so uh, so even though it's a financial consideration, uh, it's also a consideration for the estate planner because sometimes. Uh, for example, uh, under the SECURE Act, there's only the original SECURE Act that we're under right now, there's only five categories where you could still stretch out if you're a beneficiary. That is a spouse. So a lot of times people do spousal rollovers. However, a lot of times that, as we've talked about before on the prior show, that may not be necessarily the choice you should make. It could be that uh, before you make that choice, in fact, we talked about this with somebody just this past week, that it may have been better to have the children who are in a lower tax bracket, and if they didn't need the money, if they, that is, the spouse didn't need the money, before they make the election, before they make the election to do a partial or full disclaimer of the income to put the income into a lower tax bracket. So, so, and on the other hand, uh, if somebody was disabled, let's say you have a beneficiary who is disabled, uh, a lot of times we'll do special needs trust, and we might name the IRA 
uh, in beneficiary to be the special needs trust, but then we have to put some provisions so that person doesn't leave, lose Medicaid. The reason for the special needs trust, uh, a disabled or chronically ill person can still stretch it out over life expectancy. The five categories are a spouse, somebody less than 10 years of age difference, uh, then um, somebody who, if, it, if you happen to have a child, not a grandchild, who is a, a minor, uh, could stretch out till they reach the age of majority. And then you have to take out within 10 years after that, by the way. And that's what most people have to do if you're a child now under the SECURE Act. Instead of being able to stretch out over their life expectancy, they have to take it out within 10 years. It doesn't have to be each year that you make a distribution. Uh, it could be that you could take it all in the final year, but then you get income tax. Well, anyway, hmm. uh, they're building upon this to try to get people to save for retirement. So not only is there a uh, delay until the age in which you have an RMD, required minimum distribution, and by the way, Got to be sure to make those required MEM distributions. Otherwise, there's an excise tax. And if you didn't take out, uh, let's say, that the acquired age, then you could have a 50% tax. So it's important to occasionally you'll see some people who didn't do it. And that's kind of a crazy thing because that would be a big old tax. They just didn't know the law or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, one of the other uh, major benefits of this plan is if you're starting a new plan, unless you're a small employer, uh, then, uh, say, small, a few, let's say, a limited amount of employees, the, uh, there's going to be an automatic enrollment. Now, the employee can opt out, but they're going to start off where you take out 3% of the pay, goes automatically into the retirement account. It goes up 1% each year uh, to 10%. Uh, so, in other words, we're trying to encourage people at a younger age to save for retirement. It's good for the, you know, for the employer because they might be able to, you know, get a deduction, and it's good for the employee to save for retirement. Now, the employee might say, "I need the money," so they may take, they may either opt out or take a lesser sum. But again, uh, it's encouraging people to save for retirement because a lot of people don't, and they, they just spend the money as soon as they get it, or they have to live from paycheck to paycheck and they need as much income as they can get. And that's the other problem with required minimum distributions is when you do reach the age of required minimum distributions, a lot of people don't just make the required minimum distributions. They make make more. And when they do, then they get income taxed on more, but they may need the money. And, it, you know, of course, it depends on what your factual situation is. One of the other benefits, by the way, of the original SECURE Act that we're having now uh, used to be that you couldn't make – uh, contributions after age 70 and a half. Um, with the SECURE Act, uh, if, as long as you're still working, you could continue to make contributions into your retirement account. Now, the other uh, benefit, too, is that for people who are um, older workers, they could have what they call catch-up provisions where they could add additional amounts uh, under the new proposal, they could add an additional $10,000 uh, to their retirement account if they're between ages 62 and 64. Uh, the, so that's a benefit for those, but they may require that you do it in the form of a Roth. In other words, the government says, okay, you can make the contribution, but you got to pay the tax up front. 
there are going to be some other uh, little bitty provisions, and that these all things are are yet to be worked out between the House and the Senate. But we expect some of these things are going to happen. Uh, another beneficial provision uh, is on student loans. You know, let's say you have a younger worker, and that younger worker. Uh, says, well, I got to either pay off my student loan or have a contribution for my retirement account. Well, we have a lot of student loan debt, and so what they're allowing you, the employer, to do is if that if the employee pays off a student, uh, pays a certain amount to a, for a student loan uh, payment, then there could be a matching contribution where the student, um, the employee, doesn't have to contribute to the retirement account. But the employer finding out that the amount of the student loan paid could match that into the uh, retirement account. The, the employer gets the, the uh, I guess, the deduction, and the student or the former student, the employee now, uh, doesn't have to make that uh, choice, and it's getting rid of some of the debt. Uh, one of the benefits, one of the reasons for doing this uh, also uh, is, you know, if you have to make Roth contributions sometimes you have to pay that like on those catch-up provisions the government's going to get tax dollars quicker furthermore when you do take out the required minimum distribution then it's just delaying what the tax that's going to be greater at that time so when you take out you know if your money grows tax deferred when you take out you're going to be taking out uh, generally whatever it is that you take out you're going to get income tax and if your money continues to grow that's when you get the the tax hit and that's why you have to consider in your estate planning on your documents, where should we have the, these funds go upon death? So it's not just wills and trusts. Uh, you also have to look at the uh, retirement accounts when you make any kind of beneficiary designation. Uh, yesterday, I had a, I have a, a client where we said, well, she really thinks her husband is a spendthrift. And she didn't really want things to go directly to him, so we have a spouse-only retirement trust. So we have it where the that if even if there's required minimum distributions, that the required minimum distributions could stay at the trustee's discretion, and he's not the trustee, the trustee's discretion to stay within the trust. Now you could still stretch, but then the then there's the tax issue of how much taxes there would be because the trust tax rate may be higher if it stays within the trust. If it's distributed to him, then he's taxed at whatever's distributed to him. But you can still have the stretch. Similarly, if you have a disabled child, which we told you if somebody's disabled or chronically ill, if we name a special needs trust, you can still do the stretch, not have them lose public benefits by keeping the assets inside the trust if that is the desire. So there's all this different estate planning that goes with the financial planning. That's why usually, quite frankly, it takes teamwork in connection with any kind of estate planning because a lot of times the financial advisor, the CPA, the attorney should work together as a team to create a plan that saves the most under the terms of the conditions that the, uh, whoever the client may be to save the most money for not only, uh, you know, for their lifetime or at least meets their goals. I like that word, Michael. I like that word, team, because that is kind of the question with all of this. The SECURE Act passed, 95% approved it, but therefore it was a bipartisan-supported 
uh, legislation that's going to go into effect later this year, as you said. But uh, whose team are you on? Well, of course, you're on your financial planners, and you should be on Michael Cohen's team. But does, is the government on that team, too? Or as you were talking, you made me think of Uncle Sam and how Uncle Sam, there's that poster of Uncle Sam, he wants you, or does he just want your money? And it represents the government in many ways because they do want their money, and I don't know if they want it fairly or not, but they do want it. And then that allows them to pay their bills and effectuate what they need to, to hopefully, most importantly, protect this country. And so I appreciate that, but it's case by case, administration by administration, president by president, Senate, Congress by Senate, who knows. Um, but at least at this case, in this case, we have a SECURE Act, and it, since it's uh, so widely popular and was passed so easily, I'm glad it's gone into effect, and it sounds very promising, and they want people to save. They want people to retire, uh, especially because they're living longer, as you said, and that's very good news. To make sure that you're in compliance, to make sure that your plan is current, what Michael and I admonish you to do is to attend his next online workshop. And that is Saturday, April the 9th at 10 o'clock in the morning via Zoom. You don't have to leave your house or your car for that matter or anywhere. You can just do it online. And he's been doing these for years and years now, and they're very effective. And I don't think anybody leaves them thinking, boy, was that a waste of time. And Michael, tell everyone the specific benefits of those workshops, please. Well, we'll ask people what they want to know. And people ask their questions. There'll be a bunch of people on the Zoom uh, calls. And by the way, we're going to start doing them in person at the end of April. Great. Uh, but bottom line is we ask people what they want to know. It could be about state planning. could be about public benefits like Medicaid or veterans benefits. Mm -hmm. uh, could be about probate. Anything in connection hmm. with the state planning we ask people what they want to know. And then for we have a presentation, but we ask all the questions. We try to answer all the questions. And if you do go that free two-hour estate planning essentials workshop, I, like you said, all you do is click on a button from your either iPhone or tablet, um, then, and we tell you how to do it if you've never done it before. Um, bottom line is you're going to learn something. You'll see that the time flies by, and you're going to have some fun along the way. And if you do attend that two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give the option, but not the obligation, to have a free one-hour meeting with me to look at your own individual situation to go in more depth if you'd like. You don't have to, but you're, most people do. After hearing the uh, workshop, they see that how much they can learn and how they learn from others, too. Right. Uh, to go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, all you have to do is call either 214-720-0102, that's 214-720-0102, or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com, that's DallasElderLawyer.com, and you could get three free hours of legal education, no obligation. I think you're going to learn something and you're going to have some fun along the way. Excellent. Let me ask you, when is the, do you have a date for the first in-person workshop in two years? Uh-huh. Uh, April 30th. April 30th. What day of the week is that? Saturday. That's a Saturday like as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My uh, old-fashioned father, very traditional, who turned 85 this year, who lives in Pennsylvania, um, just swears up and down, and you understand why, how in-person um, 
how important in-person is, whatever that is, um, whether it's grocery shopping, attending a workshop, attending a funeral, you name it, Michael, all the extremes. And he believes in that. And I think there's going to be a good number of people who might not do something online like attend a workshop, but they'll want to do it in person because I do agree with him. There's nothing like in person because in person you can smell the environment, you can see everything, um, you can interact with other people. When I went grocery shopping yesterday, I went into the grocery store. No one. I mean, basically, well, that's not true. 95%, there's that figure again, of the shoppers, no masks, uh, other than the workers themselves, because they were being cautious and legal and the like and what this, following the CDC guidelines. But I like the fact that you're going to finally go back to an in-person workshop and give people the option. Yeah. Um, we, first of all, I'm glad to see that the pandemic is subsiding, you know, subsiding rather. Um, I saw, like, uh, this week that even the CDC said it's okay now, certainly if you're vaccinated, to go on cruise ships. Uh, we see the standards are being relaxed. Now, of course, if things change, then we may go back to like a Zoom workshop. But, mm-hmm. uh, it seems that, that things are getting better. And uh, so now we're finally feeling comfortable. It's been more than two years. And my, I happen to agree with your dad uh, that, you know, um, uh, I, when you're in person, there's a, there, it's really a lot better. You really yeah. feel the interaction. You see the other people. Yeah. Kind of, it, it, it's just definitely better. And I, 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 I kind of like, you know, I don't like that. Like my kids sometimes communicate with each other uh, by cell phone, by you know, by texting each other, and they're right next to each other. You know, mm-hmm, right. what, what, what's this thing about talking to people? Right. That, uh, thank you, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I'm old fashioned too. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I think it is necessary, and hopefully others are going to follow suit. And this is the end, and we don't have to ever use the word pandemic or COVID again the rest of our lives because it's ter- it's terrible what happened. All those lives, what a million Americans died from it alone, I think it was, which almost a million. It's just, and all that the uh, students, the Wendy's and Stacy Beth's of the world, your your children went through, my stepson Bruce. Um, in my 58 years, I've never seen anything like this, and I hope we never again realize what we had the last two years. So I'm glad everyone's rebounding and the workshops will be in person at the end of April. So, Michael, uh, about five minutes left. What else can you tell us about the SECURE Act? Well, I mean, I think what I'd like to do in the last five minutes is because I promised at the beginning of the show to talk a little bit for retirees because those the SECURE Act is going to benefit mostly those people who have not retired. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, a few different things that people are not taxed on if you're retired. How, what kind of income, if you could call it that, would they not be taxed on? So mm-hmm. uh, I suppose that, first of all, if you have a health savings account, a lot, and of course you should start this before you retire, so you could contribute to a health savings account. I think it's like $8,200, uh, somewhere around there uh, in 2022 that you could contribute to that. And the money, even if you don't use it for medical expenses, it's kind of like an IRA. And that's why it kind of refreshes my, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about at the beginning. Uh, it's, you save later and you're supposed to use it for medical expenses. And if you don't use it, the money keeps on growing tax deferred until you do use it. Now, when you, when you take out, 
you're supposed to use it for those medical expenses. But even if you didn't take it out and you had to reimburse yourself for medical expenses from three years later, uh, you could do that. And you, the money has grown tax deferred. You can keep mm-hmm. on contributing on an annual basis. Now, I don't. I think maybe on one of our shows we talked about you do not put HSA accounts uh, into a trust. So there's some different planning on HSA accounts, but I think with my limited time, I better go over a few other things uh, that uh, some people do to get income if you're retired uh, without taxation. A reverse mortgage, not that I'm recommending reverse mortgages, but sometimes people have to do that just to – I had somebody who unfortunately has uh, ALS, and um, we said, well, they really didn't have income. They couldn't make their mortgage payments. So we said, well – uh, they only had a limited life expectancy. Uh, we said, well, maybe to defer, since you can't make the mortgage payments and rents are so high now, that maybe uh, you just have less equity that passes on to your heirs uh, by um, converting to a reverse mortgage. And that way you could have a line of credit. Uh, and basically, that won't be considered income. It's basically a loan that will be reducing the amount of the equity at the time of your passing. Um, a, of course, if you had a Roth, then if, you know, Roth IRA, you pay the tax up front. That was part of what we talked about in the Secure Act. That there were one of the ways the government's going to get some of their tax dollars quicker to make up the cost of the savings is on some of those catch-up provisions. There might be Roths, so they'll be getting tax dollars quicker. Plus, they'll be getting the tax dollars at, when you take out those required minimum distributions at a higher amount at a later date. So the government's not being totally altruistic here. Um, but similarly, if you have a qualified Roth distribution, that would not be income. It's just a you're just getting you've already paid the tax. If you had a home, speaking of a home, you know, on a home, if you if you're single, you get up to a two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain without there being capital gains tax. Uh, and if you're married, up to five hundred thousand dollar gain. Uh, so let's say you need to downsize, you could take advantage of the fact that if you're married and if you've lived there two out of the last five years, that you could. I have up to $500,000 of gain uh, without there being a capital gain stack. I had somebody in my office yesterday who bought their home in 1971, mm. who bought their home for 138000 and now that home is worth $1.2 million. Goodness. And so when we talk... Yeah, so what we talked about was, well, maybe we shouldn't sell that home because, in, of course, in Texas, as a community property state, if you hold that property until death, and in this case, uh, the... The husband was 90 years of age. I said, maybe it's better to hold on until he or spouse dies because then you get a step up in basis and they wouldn't have to pay capital gains tax on that $1 million of, or more of appreciation. So yeah. not, I told them not to sell. So, so these financial issues are also important in your estate planning counseling. Uh, so, uh, of course, if you had life insurance, you could borrow against the life insurance, and that would not be – or take out funds from the insurance uh, or cash it in. And if you did – uh, of course, you have to look and see what the uh, at-death benefit is, but sometimes people do that, and that would not be considered as income as well. Excellent. You can hear the excitement in Michael's voice because of the fact that he simply understands this so well, and he wants to share it with people. And the workshops are free, so he's educating you for free about what the new laws mean, what the SECURE Act means, et cetera, et cetera, and how it's going to affect you individually. So sign up for that next workshop, which is Saturday, April the 9th at 10 o'clock, which is not in person, which is via Zoom, never have to leave your home, or the one in person on Saturday, April the 30th 
at 10 o'clock. And Michael, real quickly, is the one on the 30th, is it Zoom or in person or both? It's just going to be in person on April 30th. We're going to alternate Zoom and in person for the time being. Okay, great idea. I like that. That gives everyone the option. Excellent. Sign up for that either workshop by dialing 214 720 or go to and that would be Michael Cohen, who is our and should be your elder lawyer. Michael Cohen, we thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. A leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.